you are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast presented by NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? It's Wednesday. So uh, just to remind everybody during the regular season week, because it's been so long, Wednesday is traditionally the day that is kind of the last day of looking back. And Thursdays and Fridays, we start looking forward to our next opponent. So we still have today to uh, linger and wallow in our sadness about what happened in week one and uh, kind of go over it and see if we can figure out exactly what went wrong. Yeah, we're going to go over a lot of our film notes from today, uh, you know, from the last couple of days. But let's first talk about some breaking Cowboy news. Uh, It was reported this afternoon that Cowboys linebacker Sean Lee had sports hernia surgery and he will be out six weeks. Um, That feels a little bit optimistic if you're looking at the history of some of these sports hernia surgeries. Um, But the big note is he's just not going to be available for at least the next, you know, six, seven, maybe eight games. How big of a loss is this for the Cowboys, especially considering Leighton Van Der Esch's status? Well, we're going to find out. I mean, I think that, you know, you and I spent a lot of the offseason talking about the depth of this linebacker core and, and how lucky we are to have, you know, probably up to five or six deep and guys that we feel comf- comfortable putting out there to start. Uh, we're mm-hmm. all the way down to our fifth guy. So, uh, right. uh, yeah, I think at this point we're going to find out. I, you know, I think – we, we, we like what we've seen from Joe Thomas, you know, throughout the, his time here for the most part. And I think that, right. yeah, he's he's going to be in there and be serviceable. Is he going to be lights out? I, I don't think, you know, probably not. But, I mean, what were we going to get out of Sean Lee this year? We don't even know at this point, you know. So maybe yeah. there's something to having a little bit of certainty there and just having the one guy in there. Because I, I do feel like, I mean, despite being a smaller player and, 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 and kind of playing with a little bit more speed and, and, and having more of an athletic, you know, tone to his game style, mm-hmm. I, I think he's much more likely to be more durable than Sean Lee. And, and it would I'd hate to get rush Sean Lee back to put, make him the starter and only to have him injure himself two weeks later and then have to just sub right. Joe Thomas right back in. Yeah, I think the goal here for the Cowboys is to be cautious with Sean Lee. I think it's important to remember they have a Week 10 bye. It feels likely that we'll see him and Leighton Van Der Esch for the first time after that you know, Week 10 bye. Uh, get him back on the field for the last you know, seven games of the season uh, and then potentially for a playoff run. But uh, what does the team do in the meantime without Sean Lee, without Leighton Van Der Esch? Uh, how, do they, how do they rebuild their linebacker court? Because they moved... Uh, Jalen Smith from the middle to the weak side. Who do they have on the roster that can play the middle linebacker? Who's going to be calling the plays on this defense? Uh, that, those are all big questions. I don't know if we have the answers to them, but we'll try. So what do you expect from the Cowboys linebackers here in week two against the Falcons? 
You know, I mean, they could go a couple different ways. They could try to move Jalen back inside. I mean, I feel like he probably has a level of com- of comfort there if they wanted to do that. They can try mm-hmm. to see if maybe Joe Thomas can play that position, even though he probably is a more traditional Will. I mean, there isn't a ton of, of difference between Mike and Will in most schemes, especially in you know when you talk about nickel and you know right. the, the defenses that they play most of the time. But you know, I, I think that the other options are the other guys that are on this roster, and, and do they start taking a more serious look at someone like Francis Bernard, or do they go out on the street and try to find somebody that they feel like uh, could uh, come in and, and do something right away? I, honestly, like I think all these options are probably pretty similar as far as as yeah. you know as as far as effectiveness. So it really may be. Uh, down to what they feel most comfortable about, whether they feel most comfortable just sliding Jalen over. Fra- Fra- like I said, Francis Bernard was the guy that we thought was going to make the team uh, before he was able to get, before he was cut and ma- able to clear waivers. Maybe he's a guy that they call up, and because he has familiarity with the scheme, he can be plugged right in and 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 kind of grow into that role and actually become a playmaker. That's a possibility. I think that's probably the more the most upside at the position and up until we get someone like Leighton Vander Esch back. But mm-hmm. until then, if they want to kind of just survive, they could obviously, like I said, move Jalen inside, plug in a vet that they sign. Um, there are options here. It's not like you can't find a, a middle linebacker off the street. It's just right. that it's probably not going to be as <laughs> – no one is going to be as dynamic a player as Leighton Vander Esch. Yeah, one more little bit of uh, news from Tuesday afternoon. The Cowboys brought up Bra- uh, Brandon Carr from the practice squad, signed into a you know long term deal for the rest of the season. Um, you know he didn't play in Week One. He was active. Are we expecting to see him more on the field in Week Two? Do you think he's going to be part of their safety rotation? Because uh, and we can talk about this in our film notes. I don't think Darian Thompson was all that good. I think no. he's a. I think Brandon Carr is a better fit in this defense. Do you think we see him on the field this week? Yeah, I mean, I think you know the one thing that that really stood out with the safety play specifically was bad tackling, and you know even more so than than maybe any of these other positions. Um, I think linebackers struggled at times, but but safety, there were several different times when you know safeties had running backs dead to rights in the hole and simply missed the tackle. And, and, you know, and, and whether, whether they got their arms on the guy and then weren't, weren't able to drive them back or it was a matter of they just completely whiffed on the tackle. And, you know, one of those specifically was a touchdown play. So yeah. it, it, is Brandon Carr going to be a guy that's going to be able to come in and, you know, actually make a difference along those lines? I don't know. Like that's that's you know that's not necessarily why you brought Brandon Carr here into into replace Darian Thompson. It's you know you you kind of wanted more of a versatile player, but I you know I, I think the surprising thing is that Darian Thompson is not like a you know a, an undersized safety. He's he's a bigger no. guy. He's oh. he's he's full sized. So it was it was disheartening to see him kind of get shrugged off so easily uh, in the hole several different times by by a variety of different players. Uh, to the point where, I mean, maybe they need to. Maybe we need to see more Donovan Wilson. Maybe we need to see kind of it, the him in more of these roles, and maybe it becomes a rotation of of guys like Donovan Wilson and Brandon Carr. That's probably the 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 best plan, right? Is to keep Donovan Wilson maybe on the field during first and second down, where you know more obvious running downs, and then on third down and six, bring Brandon Carr in, allow him to do some of the things you know against tight ends uh, that he's actually done in the past for Dallas. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's going to take some time for them to get a potential, you know, rotation going there at safety. 
but I do expect the Cowboys to use um, Brandon Carr at that safety spot here uh, in the upcoming weeks. Um, let's pause and we'll tell you guys about NFL Game Pass. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays, and you can see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game and every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place you can replay games all season long. And you'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques. Learn from the best players like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many, many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archives. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Okay, Landon, let's talk about some of our film notes. Um, I wanted to start with Alden Smith because when I went back and rewatched the game, he's the one player that jumped out to me. Uh, what did you see on film from Alden Smith? Uh, I mean, you know, I think we've we've kind of done our best to try to temper our excitement about what to expect with Alden Smith. We've heard a lot of good things coming out of training camp. I mean, you know, I think everybody had had a heavy level of skepticism about you know the the the, the, the news that he was ripping machines off the wall <laughs> and that he's you know at a, a healthy two hundred and eighty pounds and. So I mean to actually finally get him to see him out there and see him performing was uh, was incredible and, and frankly he played incredible I mean he played like he was a guy that was carrying that weight uh, accordingly he was uh, a monster at the point of attack he was physical he was quick he uh, he you know his his movement skills were not stuttered or or, or he was it didn't look like he was thinking about it he looked like he was just reacting and, and and like he hadn't missed a bunch of time frankly there were a couple different things that you could show that like he you know hadn't played football in a while i think there was that one of, that's maybe the second screen that the rams ran uh and and he got really sucked inside and i think that was a yeah. big portion of yeah. why it happened but but i mean that's again you're know, just kind of getting used to the feel of what that likes because that's all feel right you get up field you feel the lineman getting to the outside and that's how you uh you, that's your indication that they're getting outside for a screen and that's what he, and, and he actually learned later on they tried to run it on him again and he was able to get out there and kind of disrupt it so i thought he played fantastic i mean certainly certainly above and beyond what anyone's expectations probably were for him um, or yeah. at, at least realistic expectations, because I think if anyone had, had told you that this was a possibility or this was going to happen with Alden Smith in his first game back after five years of not playing football, I think there would have been a level of, of realistically healthy skepticism there. Well, what was crazy to me is when I went back and watched the film, like he was noticeably better than Everson Griffin, who yeah. was really good in a playoff game last year. Yeah. Everson Griffin was in camp uh, yeah. all year long. So it's not like... Uh, I, I, maybe it was just all, I mean this difference level in talent Everson Griffin's really good Alden Smith was on pace to be like a Hall of Fame player before uh, his career got kind of derailed so uh, I, I do think Everson Griffin will get back into the swing yeah. of things I think he's going to be fine and I listen I think it's just a bad matchup for him right yeah. this is a team that ran a ton of play action a ton of bootlegs got him off track I think Everson Griffin against a team like Atlanta in week two is going to have a bigger game uh, but just, that was one of the, the biggest positives for me to take away was just how good Alden Smith is, was in this game. And you brought, uh, up, let's get you some, br you brought up a good go point real quick. I just want to say that I, I think my general take from the defense, and we discussed this previously, is that 
this defense is going to thrive a lot better when they're playing with the lead, when they're able to right. peer their ears right. back and attack and send all Everson Griffin, Alden Smith, you know, Marcus Lawrence, Crawford, all those guys in a NASCAR package attacking the, the pocket. That's where this offense, this defense is going to thrive. So they really need the offense to get out to leads early so that they can start pinning their ears back and attacking the quarterback. I agree. Um, let's get to some more of our notes. Lana, I want to talk a little bit about the way that the Cowboys ran the ball in this contest because they were fantastic in the first half. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott was absolutely on fire. In the second half, the running game slowed down. Now, uh, there's a couple different things you can point to. You can point to it being more predictable. A lot of first down runs in the second half. Uh, not so many in the you know in the first half. Um, you can point to, you know, in the first half, there was a lot of light boxes. In the second half, the Rams seemed to load up a little bit there. When you watched the film, what did you take away from the Cowboys rushing attack in the first half compared to the second half? Yeah, I think that the Rams just made some nice adjustments to try to uh, stop it. And I think, you know, again, in general, the offense, much like we just discussed, the offense, you know, kind of a mirror image of the defense the offense really struggled when they were in predictable downs and distance and when they ran or passed in those predictable mm. scenarios. So whether it was first and 10 and they were running the football or third and long and they were passing the football, they struggled to uh, uh, to get any kind of traction. When they were able to keep things off balance, when they were able to keep the defense from knowing whether they were running or passing, that's when it felt like they were having the most success. So right. I, I think a lot of you know what you mentioned beforehand the first down runs which made that that running predictable uh i think that had an effect on ezekiel elliott's ability to run the football and it wasn't even necessarily you know that they stacked the box more it's it's just that i think that they were attacking the run schemes a little bit better uh, the, the rams were attacking the run schemes a little bit better in the second half than on the first half because they could predict pretty effectively when the cowboys were running the football I agree. I think that's something to watch here in week two. How do the Cowboys run the football? Which which type of situations? Are they running it against light boxes? Are they running it as frequently on first down? Uh, that'll be a big key in this next game to predicting success. I want to talk a little bit more about the offensive line because uh, they struggled. Um, I thought this was one of Zach Martin's worst games that I've seen in a while. Um, Terrence Steele, an undrafted rookie free agent, I thought he was up and down. There were some definitely things that he did well. He yeah. probably was a little better than what um, I was expecting from a guy that really didn't take any snaps you know, leading up to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Williams got beat by Michael Brockers on a key third down. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line. What did you see when you watched them on tape? Now, I know we haven't got to see the L22 yet, but from the broadcast version, what did you see? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's interesting. You go into the game with the announcement that you're going to be starting an undrafted free agent rookie at right tackle without any kind of heads up in the offseason that this guy was that high on the depth chart or even being considered in this spot. So I think going into the game, the level of, of fear about the offensive line suddenly became even you know more intense. Like, you know, we had talked about all week that there are things that they could do to you know, help mitigate uh, having not having Lael Collins, and, and that was in the context of having Cam Irving, uh, and now you've put in a guy that you ha- you know even less about, who definitely doesn't have Cam Irving's experience right. playing in the NFL, uh, and is you know I had a lot of experience in college, but not all of it looked very good on tape. So I think that Steele specifically was probably better than I thought he w- was going to be, and they actually. Uh, 
relied on him isolated more often than I even anticipated Cam Irving seeing. So that was a little bit encouraging, but I would say overall his play was probably net negative because, I mean, he just, even against the guys he was going with, which, you know, weren't exactly a murderer's row of, of pass yeah, rushers. Ja'Kai Polite, right? That was, the, that was the big one that he let a sack up. His, uh, yeah, and I, I you know, Polite. despite that, they still were able to get a little bit of pressure. So I think, you know, I think it was a pretty evenly matched uh, uh yeah, matchup between the our right tackle and, and their pass rushers, but that's not a great thing because the Rams don't no. have great no. pass rushers, and you're likely to see better pass rushers every week as we go on. So, well, I, I've got a question really quickly before. Yeah. I just want to jump in there. So, Blake Jarwin now out for the season, yeah. uh, not a great blocker, but a dynamic receiver. Now, in his place will likely be Dalton Schultz, a third year tight end from Stanford, some Blake Bell. Do those guys actually help a little bit in pass protection? Because both of those guys are better blockers than Jarwin. Could they actually have a positive impact on the the passing game despite not being great receivers? Sure, you're gonna you're gonna lose more in a pass receiver than you're gonna gain in a blocker. I think by 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 making that switch. But having said that, I think you know it could still end up being a net positive in a situation where you're still missing your right tackle because. Schultz mm-hmm. is, despite what everyone wants to say about his receiving, and he definitely had some issues on, on Sunday night. Um, I, I think he is a very solid blocker, and he is good, very assignment sound. And, you know, really maybe what it is now is that they just leaned more on Ezekiel Elliott to, to provide that. And, and maybe they just put more uh, people out in route. Maybe they run more 10 personnel. Maybe they run per- some 20 personnel where you've got Pollard and Zeke on the field and, and one of them is ro- motioning out into the, the, to the, uh, to the flats to, to be a slot receiver and one of them is staying in to be a pass protector. I, I think they have multiple ways that they can get creative here uh, and try to figure this out. But I do think that you know the 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 silver lining i guess to jarwin not being uh out there is that you know maybe you can focus a little bit more on having a tight end out there that can help in protection uh that you you aren't feeling like you're wasting because you'd rather get a guy like you know 89 out and route it's going to be interesting to see how Terrence Steele does in his second start um you know Atlanta had some success against Seattle in week 1 with Tack McKinley and Dante Fowler uh, I think those are better edge rushers than what the Cowboys faced in Week One. Uh, but now that Terrence Steele probably got some of those, you know, pregame jitters and uh, nerves out of the way, I think it's fair to expect him to play, uh, you know, significantly better here in Week Two. Um, let's take another break so I can tell you guys about Rock Auto. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. And the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Okay, Landon, um, I wanted to talk about Dak Prescott because when I went back and watched this game, uh, I thought he played well on my initial rewatch. I thought he played even better when I watched this again. Uh, He had some, some big drops, two by Dalton Schultz. 
Uh, one really good play by Jalen Ramsey that broke up a play on third down. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal. I thought he did a really good job of navigating the pressure. Uh, there was the one play to CD land down the field where uh, he had pressure right in his face, slid to the right, moved up in the pocket, and just delivered a, a strike to him. What did you think about uh, Dak after rewatching this game? Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much of this narrative is is different um, about the offense in general. Maybe not a ton if they don't call that offensive pass interference. Oh, on, it's completely on, different, right? Expe- yeah, I think it's completely different. Yeah, and I think especially for a guy like uh, uh, you know Prescott, who w- would have you know led his team to uh, at least a game tying, if not a game winning touchdown drive uh, in that in that situation. I, I think even before that. Uh, he was under assault for a lot of the game. And I think you know, we, mm-hmm. we saw that. Uh, but he was able to kind of shift and move around in the pocket to get what he needed to get done. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we've seen that he's really improved on in the last few years is uh, uh, kind of getting quieter feet. I remember Tony Romo talking about developing that, mm-hmm. that same technique uh, based off Tom Brady. And uh, so I think it looks like Prescott has got that in his, in his bag now. Um, and I think that, you know, what we saw was – I think more, my issues with the offense and, and what happened more are a function of the play calling and, and, and maybe the mix and match of how uh, things were fit together as opposed to how Dak performed. Because I think Dak performed very well in the confines of what was called. Um, you know, obviously there were a couple calls that, I mean, a couple of throws that uh, you look at the, the game tape initially and were like, what happened there? And then you go back and watch it and you get some context. You're like, okay, well, I, <laughs> I'm surprised you even got that football off or, you right, know, that's exactly. thing. Yep. Um, you know, I, that specifically that one Schultz where Schultz was in the flat and he just kind of was throwing off his back foot and couldn't get it quite out there. There are a couple of those throws where, you know, on, on initial viewing, you're like, what happened? And then you go back and look and you're like, oh, he was basically already tackled when he threw the ball. Right. Um, so I, I thought for overall he played well. He did what he needed to do at the end of the game, I thought, to to, to lead them back to victory. Um, and then they, they kind of, you know, I mean, again, we don't want to completely blame the referees for all this stuff, but it's it's hard when such a, a key controversial call got made sure. at such a key moment that really would have turned the tide. And frankly, I mean, you know, I, I it, it wouldn't have required this kind of deep dive into the game to figure out what a good ga- game Dak Prescott had if, if you know, Gallup had been allowed to receive that ball and they had been allowed right. to kind of finish that game the way it probably should have ended. Yeah, for quarterbacks, having pressure right in your face is about the hardest thing to navigate because there's just not much you can do, yep. right? And when you have a, a bad, or not, let's not even say bad, an inexperienced right tackle, it makes it even harder because you can't necessarily get outside the pocket and make some plays. So the throws that he made under pressure inside the pocket, I thought were really, really good. I think he's going to have a big day here in week two against Atlanta. Um, Atlanta can get pressure on the quarterback, but the secondary is uh, not great. The Cowboys have the weapons to match up there. I think you should expect another huge game from Prescott here in week two. The last thing I wanted to talk about before we leave is CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Uh, he was productive as a rookie. Uh, in this first game, uh, didn't break any tackles, and that was probably the most surprising to me. I think he he was struggling a little bit with the physicality, uh, but the Rams have really good tacklers in their secondary. All the way around, everybody tackles really well. Um, but what did you see from Lamb in his uh, rookie debut? It wasn't too big for him. You know, clearly he, he felt like he was he belonged and i think that's sometimes part of the issue when especially with young wide receivers that come into the league they face a lot of press coverage uh it can be daunting 
Uh, you're asked to do a lot more than you were in college. You're asked to face a different type of athlete than you did in college. You're asked to face a different type of coverage that's very disruptive to your route running. So if really a large portion of being a rookie wide receiver is learning to just keep running the route, you know, just to right. fight through the, 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 the physicality that's happening uh, on the line of scrimmage from cornerbacks and find a way to get to the spot where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there. And I thought from that point of view uh, that he was fantastic. Uh, that he, that he converted six, he converted five of his six targets, which I thought was, you know, a huge thing. 11.8 yards per catch. That's, you know, pretty good. Decent. That'll rise. Yeah. That'll get up there. That'll get up for sure. But I think as far as, you know, performing and just it being his very first NFL game uh he didn't look like he was nervous or had any kind of uh, uh issues running the offense or operating inside the offense mm. I think we could talk about the fourth down play but I honestly uh I honestly don't know as much that it was a route running adjustment a problem it was a great play by the defense like you know and yeah. I think a, a couple of other things along that in that play may have made that work a little bit better but they didn't happen mm. I don't know that this is a, a specifically a, a, an issue with Lamb not making the right adjustment on that route. And then I, the other thing that I think is worth mentioning is that he had uh, one opportunity to return a punt, and he returned it 20 yards. So, Which I, is, I, I don't know if you knew this, but that was the furthest. Uh, I mean, no player in 2018 or 2019 had a further uh, punt return for the Cowboys than what CeeDee Lamb had in week one. So there you go. His, I mean, he only I think he only had one chance because I think Cedric Wilson had the other. Um, the fact that the Cowboys felt comfortable enough to put him out there, and in the one chance that he got, he made a splash play on you know on special teams. Uh, that says a lot about CD yeah. Lamb. We know we know that the history of receivers, guys that can produce on special teams, tend to be productive at receiver in the NFL. And I think that's a little bit because you know a lot of teams put their best athlete back there to return punts for guys that are fearless and guys that are just good with the football in their hands that you can trust them. To see him make a, a big play like that on a Sunday night football game in a really close contested game has to be really encouraging, right? Absolutely. And I think that's what, you know, I mean, he had, if I'm not mistaken, I think he led all rookie receivers, except for maybe Jerry Judy, who uh, had a big day, if I remember correctly. But yeah, I mean, he got his a little bit in garbage time, though. He, yeah. got, he got one before half that was like a 35-yard reception. That so may be definitely true. I'm I, calling him the most uh, – you know, productive rookie productive receiver. Rookie I don't receiver. care what the stats say. Yeah, that, and that's fair. I mean, I, like I said, I think for really it was just about – and again, this was a good secondary. I mean, I think beyond just Jalen Ramsey, they had a couple other mm-hmm. guys that, you know, are above average players. So, I mean, and, and we all have huge expe- expectations for Connor Lamb, but the realistic thing is that he is a rookie wide receiver. It's very difficult in the NFL to make that transition. He looked like a professional. He looked didn't look confused by anything that was happening, right. any options that were happening. He didn't look like he was running the wrong routes. Uh, we obviously we need to see a little bit more with the all twenty two, but initial reviews are this is a guy who looks comfortable. It looks like he belongs, uh, and and if that's the starting point, I'm really excited to see great. where he goes from here. It's going to be really exciting. That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, you can download the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnCowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow me at Marcus underscore Mosier. We will see you next time, and go Cowboys.